Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by actors from the San Joaquin Valley. This episode features the mystery short story, The Mystery of the Jade Cats, as told by a cat who is also a player. Written by Sharon K. Garner and read by local actor Ariel Lynn. We had been summoned to Facets, an upscale jewelry store and art gallery in the city. We are Elizabeth Winston, my apartment mate, her elderly but spry assistant Murphy, and my humble self. I seldom respond to, but will often pause at, the name Onyx. No one ever questions my presence. If clients want Elizabeth, they have to take me as well. In my red harness with matching leash, I chose them myself. They're suitable for any occasion. And I'm discreet, being a true ebony cat, without a hint of white on my lithe body. I can literally disappear against a dark background by closing my yellow eyes. Your private collection of carved jade cats was stolen? Murphy asked Facet's distraught owner, Mr. Bernard. They were on display in the gallery. I called them the Cats of Chung Lu, after their creator, a Chinese master of jade carving. It took me 30 years to collect 12 authenticated pieces. How big are they, Mr. Bernard? Elizabeth asked, reaching down to stroke me as I sat beside her chair. Mr. B twisted his hands together on the polished mahogany desktop. Each is three inches exactly, in a reclining or sitting position. Murphy's fingers flew over the keyboard of an agency's field laptop. Small, uptown items, he muttered. Mr. B's hands became a writhing blur as his frightened gaze moved to Elizabeth. I was told you're good at finding stolen articles that the police have little chance of tracing or recovering. Lieutenant Edwards gave me your number. I felt sudden tension in Elizabeth's touch. She stopped stroking, but I continued purring. Our favorite cop wouldn't have told Mr. B why Elizabeth is so good at the recovery business. It's because she's a former professional fence for fine arts items. A very successful one. She got out of the business when Lieutenant Edwards made prison an unpleasant, an almost certain prospect. Murphy, who came to us after a nearly perfect career as a master thief, assured her that prison is indeed unpleasant. Now, with Lieutenant Edwards as our silent partner, one who makes use of our combined knowledge and our insider's information, we locate stolen items for a hefty fee. Then we, or burly operatives in our pay, recover them, and we return said items to their grieving owners. After recovery, we pass on the where and the who to Lieutenant Edwards for possible future use. Or sometimes not, depending on whether the client's insurance has paid out. We guarantee confidentiality to our clients. Lieutenant Edwards guarantees immunity to us. You said there were a dozen cat figures? Elizabeth relaxed and continued the lovely stroking. Mr. B looked as if he might cry, his round face crumpling like a baby's. Thirteen, actually. I took delivery of a new one two days ago. All green jade? Murphy asked a devilish but knowledgeable twinkle in his eye. Jules Bernard. I had smiled to myself when I first heard his given name, given his profession, drew back 
as if Murphy had made a rude noise. Certainly not. One was indigo blue, one beeswax yellow, one cinnabar red, one ink black, one snow white, and others were in varying shades of green, including one with shining points of gold, a rare and precious jade. Elizabeth asked to see the case where the cats had been on display. For the past week, she kindly took me up into her arms so I might see as well. The store and gallery were closed, and the police had finished their work, so we had it to ourselves. Murphy knows the methods of the masters and is eager to examine the successful methods of newcomers. Digital camera in hand, he flitted around the neatly incised glass display case and dipped into the inner workings of the security system. Style and purpose, Miss Winston, he said as he gleefully snapped pictures. He knew what he wanted, took it, and got out. Elizabeth and I exchanged glances. To us, that meant a collector probably wanted the cats and hired a thief to do the deed, paying him enough so he wasn't tempted to take anything else that could be traced back to this robbery. Elizabeth quoted a price for our services, and Mr. B agreed. I think the figure named contributed to his looking ill when we left. We drove back to the office, our apartment, in our work vehicle, a small luxury van. Murphy immediately went to the office computer. Put out the word that we're buying carved jade cats or information about them, Elizabeth told him. She consulted the city map that hung on one wall while I twined around her ankles. Mm, I love the feel of real silk hose against my fur. We'll take information and examine merchandise at Dip Street tomorrow from midnight to 3 a.m., she continued. Enter the details of the robbery in the database to see what comes up. But run the local hardcore fine arts collectors first, looking for anyone with an obsession for Jade. Besides Bernard, three names were on Murphy's list. Giles Talbo, James Latke, and Martin Yardley. Murphy did printouts on all of them, including their addresses, makes of cars, habits, and other useful information. Bernard was so clean, he squeaked as loudly as my catnip mousie. The other three, we suspected, had commissioned robberies in the past to add to their collections. I accompanied my co-workers the following night, but the stray cats of Dip Street were the only cats we saw. We exchanged some general information for meal vouchers at a local eatery, but none of it had to do with the jade cats. Elizabeth had just flicked on the headlights when a scrawny, tattered figure propelled itself into their beams. It's me, Miss Winston. Moss. Moss's information is often creative, but seldom reliable. Murphy carefully looked around us before unlocking the van door on the passenger side. Get in. Warm yourself, he told him. I rose from my cozy resting place on the seat, with my lovely tail vigorously slashing the air, which I hoped spoke volumes. I stalked into the back with Murphy. I have something for you, Miss Winston. A little cat. Moss wiped his nose on the soiled sleeve of his denim jacket. His pale, grimy hands shook when he handed Elizabeth a filthy handkerchief. She gingerly lifted the folds of the cloth, to reveal a three-inch sitting black cat that looked cool and smooth to the touch. Murphy, she said softly, handing it between the seats to us in the back. Where did you get this moss? Found it, Miss Winston, in a garbage can, in the alley behind the bar on 7th. 
Was this the only one? He nodded. I looked. It was just lying there on top. I heard you was looking for little cats. Murphy, pay the gentleman, please. She said when Murphy, after opening his kit and performing some tests, confirmed the cat was Jade. Keep your eyes and ears open for us, Moss, and don't flash that money. She added some food vouchers to the folded bills. Murphy managed to get to the vacated front seat before me, flipping aside my soft flannel cover, which now housed anything Moss had left behind. I hoped Elizabeth remembered to launder it for me. Why would a collector throw out one, maybe all, after paying to have them stolen? Elizabeth thought aloud. Changed his mind? You're sure this is real jade, Murphy? As real as your onyx is a flesh and blood cat. Then another collector would have bought them. Murphy shrugged. Maybe it's Bernard stepping over the line, and he's trying to throw us off by sacrificing one cat. I can't see him throwing away a work of art. Besides, he's too timid to commission a robbery. We were puzzled and tired. We have a guest bedroom we sometimes let Murphy use when we're working late. Elizabeth invited him to use it now. Later in the day, we would visit Mr. B to verify that this jade cat was part of his missing collection. Maybe things would look clearer in the morning light. I chose to sleep on Elizabeth's bed, rather than share the guest room where I sometimes nap. Elizabeth set the jade cat on the nightstand while she went over the case notes on her laptop. I moved from my place between her pillows, sat down, and focused my attention on the small, dark intruder. The resemblance to me was uncanny. It was then I was told later, while I studied the black jade cat, that two items in Elizabeth's notes leapt off the screen, figuratively speaking, and suggested to her a way to identify the perpetrator. We made a late morning visit to a calmer Mr. B. <laughs> what a handsome cat, Miss Winston, he said, stroking my head. I meant to say so yesterday. I have three of my own. Fascinating creatures. I rewarded him with my loudest purr and half-closed eyes. The man had taste. When Murphy showed Mr. B the jade cat and told him where it had been found, the little man very nearly fainted while confirming it had been the newest piece of his recently stolen collection. That convinced us that Mr. B had nothing to do with the theft. Before we left, he also confirmed that Giles, Latkey, and Yardley, all known to him as fellow collectors, had visited the store and gallery to view the Cats of Chung Lu display. Next, we went to Giles Talbot's address to set Elizabeth's plan into motion. According to his printout, Talbot walked to his health club every day around this time. Elizabeth stationed Murphy and me against a building along the route. She parked the van at the curb across the sidewalk from us. The passenger side window was down. Talbot, a small, muscular man, came out of his building and executed a smart right turn with military precision. When Talbot drew near us, Murphy reached down and unhooked my leash. Elizabeth had already explained my part, but in the van, she shook a box of my favorite treats as a reminder. I streaked across the sidewalk in front of Talbot, as instructed, and leapt into the van. I even accepted a gourmet tuna treat, although I really shouldn't encourage her. Other than stopping short with a look of surprise, 
followed by a little frown, Tubbo continued on his way. Elizabeth and Murphy noted his reaction, and we moved on to the parking lot of the Bull and Pheasant, a pseudo-English pub where James Latke and Martin Yardley have lunch together several times a week. We were in luck. The parking lot attendant, with some folded green persuasion, told us that Latke and Yardley were inside and that they had arrived in separate cars. More bills changed hands, and we had free reign in the parking lot. Elizabeth parked the van in the first space in a row near the restaurant's entrance. Latke's Porsche sat beside Yardley's Mercedes in the row in front of us. Murphy and I waited on the driver's side of the van, out of sight. When Latke and Yardley left the restaurant, we appeared from behind the van and strolled between the men and their cars. Yardley, a three-piece suit type, reacted to me instinctively. He stopped in his tracks and quickly spat on the ground. Ugh, a filthy habit. Latke, an expensive casual dresser, walked on, turning to see why Yardley wasn't following. With a dismissive gesture, Latke continued to his car. Yardley detoured up our row and approached his car that way, rather than cross the path I had so jauntily walked on my red leash. There's no accounting for taste. The guy in the suit spooked, Murphy said after we settled in the van. Yardley, he's our man. Very superstitious. We'll pay him a visit immediately. With Onyx, of course. He probably commissioned the robbery before Bernard took delivery of the last cat. The black one. When he was presented with 13 cats, an unlucky number, he got rid of one. And he pitched the newest one, the one he hadn't seen in the display, because black cats are supposed to be bad luck. Present company accepted, Murphy added, throwing me an apologetic look. I meowed politely to acknowledge the compliment. Hmm. I think he'll agree to hand over the rest of the collection, Elizabeth said as we drove toward Yardley's address. When we present him with a lost and unlucky black jade cat, mention a fictional fingerprint report, and drop Lieutenant Edwards' name into the conversation. With my work done, and purring like our other car, a vintage Jaguar XK150 Roadster, I climbed onto Murphy's lap to observe the world pass by beyond the van's tinted glass windows. It'll make a believer out of him for sure, Murphy said, stroking my head. Two black cats were more bad luck than he could handle. The Mystery of the Jade Cats was produced by Kings River Life. You can learn more about Sharon K. Garner and her writing on her website, SharonKGarner.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. Check out Kings River Life magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more kingsriverlife.com, and krlnews.com. For more mystery podcast fun, check out It Was a Dark and Stormy Book Club. The book club is run by three women, Anne Dark, Tracy Stormy, and Kathy Knight, and they are on a quest to find the next great mystery authors. They love finding hidden gems that would normally be overlooked. And they also have a monthly series interviewing more established authors that they call In Agatha's Footsteps. New episodes drop every Tuesday, and you can listen to them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, or any of the major podcast venues, or visit their website at itwasadarkandstormybookclub.com. They are also on Facebook at Dark and Stormy Book Club, and on Twitter 
at Dark and Stormy B. We'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier to find. So until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery.